Coming to you from sunny Sacramento, it's How I Built My Business, an entrepreneur podcast. I'm Dave Carlson, and thank you so much for listening. This show is brought to you by Carlson O'Connell Commercial Real Estate. We help businesses lease and purchase office space. This podcast is for business owners and entrepreneurial nerds to share their stories. It's a support group for those of us who just can't help but start businesses. So let's jump into today's show. Our guest is Trevor Fong, a local entrepreneur and a buddy of mine. Uh, How's it going, Trevor? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Dave. I look forward to sharing with you and your listeners some of the value and things I've learned as a business owner. I'm so excited to learn from you. You were recommended to the show from from another mutual friend, uh, Manny Villa Gomez. As far as I'm concerned, you're one of the most prolific uh, social media posters in Sacramento. I feel like you just do an amazing job of keeping your name out there and just being really, really visible online. So, I mean, we'll dive into that. Let's start with the first question I love to ask, which is describe the worst job you've ever had without naming the employer so we don't get sued. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it was funny thinking about this because uh, I've had a lot of retail jobs. I worked in retail for 10 years. So the job that was probably the hardest to me was uh, an electronic store. Not really because of the difficulty of work. Like all my jobs have been customer service based. You know, back 10 years ago when retail was booming still, we used to have to work, you know, till midnight. And then I remember the next day I'd have to be back at six in the morning. And oftentimes oh. my jobs were 30 minute commute. So, you know, when you factor in that, getting ready, eating, like it's like four hours of sleep. So I think for me, the, the, the challenge was after high school into college, my buddies were all, you know, doctors, lawyers, top of the class. They really had nice internships, nice, uh, you know, jobs that were in offices or professional. And I stayed in retail until I was 27. But the job I'm talking about specifically, uh, when I graduated with a bachelor's uh, in marketing, I was uh, towards the tail end of the recession. And I only had retail experience. So I found a seasonal job at a big electronics store. And it was just frustrating because, you know, having that shiny degree, I thought I was going to make a ton of money or start a salary job. And I was making a dollar above minimum wage, which I want to say was like nine or 10 bucks back then. You know, keep in mind, this was 10, 12 years ago. But I remember taking that job and, and it was seasonal. There was no job security. It was part time. I was working weekends. You know, all my buddies were nine to five and doing really well. And, you know, they were on the path to six figures. So for me, the worst job wasn't necessary because of the work, but it was probably because I didn't really see a future in it. I kind of knew I had to get out of it. But the challenge when you're in retail is oftentimes the only really next job in front of you that you can see is maybe a manager position within the same store or company. So it was definitely hard because of the mental, you know, um, stress it caused by me not being very, you know, engaged or hopeful I could get out of it. I absolutely hear you there. Uh, I was also a marketing major. Was that were you kind of drawn to that, or did you always know you're going to focus in marketing? You know what what brought you to that kind of specialty? You know, I've always been consumer driven. I, I I love shopping. I love going online, browsing stuff. I like going on YouTube, watching unboxing videos. I like uh, you know, I like luxury brands. I enjoy what what they do and the experience they bring. I remember in college, um, I had sold back some books. Back then, it had some cash, and at the time, I went to Louis Vuitton to get something for um, someone I was seeing back then. And you know, when you're like 20 years old and you go into a store like that, it's definitely just wows you. You know, it's not like shopping at a local, 
you know, mom and pop shop, but it's a true luxury experience from the way they help you and talk to you to the way they, you know, they check you out and box up what you buy. So I was just always uh, very interested in the consumer experience, I guess, and the, and the marketing and the branding behind it. So never really loved breaking it down or talking about it, but really enjoyed the experience and, and being part of it. Absolutely. So your marketing background just kind of gives you a little more appreciation for the little things that a lot of people may not notice. Yeah. And that's probably in parts of that 10 years of retail, you know, going from uh, retail from age 18 to 28 and, you know, just really being a, a consumer and, and loving to shop. And, you know, I kind of grew up in the mall, basically, you know, if I wasn't at school, I was with my friends at the mall or with my family at the mall. So for me, that was a comfort zone. But I just really enjoyed you know, the little details like packaging when you buy products, um, seeing commercial, seeing clever ones, seeing you know luxury ones. And, and I just enjoyed always that dynamic consumer-driven marketing. What you brought up was a really interesting point I haven't heard anyone say before, which was that you know it didn't sound like your job was that bad. It was more you compared yourself to your friends and your peers, and that's what made it feel worse. I think that's a really interesting observation where do you, do you think that having friends that were doing a little more kind of inspired you to do more, or did it make you you know dislike your job more than you should have? I think it, I think it motivated me to get out of there. You know, I always I always respected what they were doing and, and really wanted to be like that. But I was never a high GPA guy. You know, I was barely a 2.0 student. So I barely squeaked by high school and, and college. But you know, I just I, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm very, I'm all over the place too. Sometimes, you know, I'm just like, you know, I like to multitask. Um, I like to do multiple things at once. And I think that's something that's always maybe held me back from achieving success the traditional way. But I do think that it definitely made me um, a little hungrier to keep up, you know, because every time I went to work, I tried to talk to people and do my best at the job. You know, I promoted a few times in the in the retail side. And, you know, I, I knew at the end of the day, if I wasn't going to get there the traditional way by studying and having the GPA or the connections, for me, it was going to be just about getting as much experience as I can and being able to speak to it. So like every week, every month, I would just update my LinkedIn. Like if I won an award, even if it was in the retail side for, you know, like a sales metric or something specific, I made sure to take the time to go into my LinkedIn and update it. So for me, the jobs um, were always just stepping stone. But having friends like that to answer your question definitely made me a little hungrier and a little more motivated to stay on track and keep having a little bit of hope. But it got, I mean, it got discouraging. <laughs> What's, what's really interesting, and you've probably heard this as well, but a, a large amount of successful entrepreneurs, they find some, you know, a good amount of them are actually dyslexic. And the idea is that they don't necessarily succeed in the traditional school route, um, but it makes them think about things a different way. And as a result, they're really creative. A lot of times they're extra hardworking, kind of like you're saying where, you know, you, you know, one thing I really appreciate about you is you're very, very responsive. You're very on it. You work hard for every client. And, you know, I think that some of that comes from just sort of having to outwork the competition. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. I'm sure every business starts out with sort of an idea. You know, what did you, what did you do to take 
your business from an idea to you know a functional organization? So my current occupation as an insurance agent really grew from the idea that I would take what I learned in the retail channel from customer service to marketing to the appearance and the approach, and I would implement that to the insurance side, which I thought at the time was probably one of the more professional opportunities that had been um, approached uh, to me. So you know, I just really was focused on the experience. So when I moved my office or started my office, you know, I went to the brick and mortar retail side. I, I took a lot of the comfort things or comfort zones that I had been in and implemented into, you know, both my business, my way of thinking, my marketing, my social media, um, to the events I do now. Everything I do today was really built off the retail experience. And then just that way, I, you know, had a thinking back then, which was really, value-driven, um, exclusive experience, uh, just all those things wrapped up into a more professional setting, which eventually became my insurance office. That's awesome. That makes a ton of sense. And when you put that film over it of insurance, but really more of a luxury kind of an image, you know, you you do a really good job of sort of conveying yourself as, uh, you know, someone that is around town, you know, you have all these events, you have all this great social media. So I kind of understand how you're sort of putting a fun, you know, cool retail edge on insurance. And so this all really makes a lot of sense now that I understand where you came from. Yeah. And a lot of that is just learned from people I look up to. I try to um, really help and pay it forward by helping people just getting into the industry and in any type of business and really teach them what I've learned. But then also being around that top 1% or the super successful people that, you know, even like you building your own company, you just, I try to learn like one little thing from them. And a lot of my networking is me interviewing them and maybe it's a little more casual and, and open-ended, but usually everybody I meet is able to give me one piece of knowledge or something that I admire or look up to. And I try to implement a little of that into my business every day. So part of my strategy with the events and networking is to just get to know people, but find out what makes them tick and add that piece of the puzzle to mine to see if I can really get to that next level. It's funny. You told me that exact same thing when we were at a networking group. And I always think about that is, you know, any meeting you have, any networking thing you have, if you come out of it with one fresh idea or learn one thing that you, you didn't know prior, like that's a success. Yeah, exactly. I, I, think I, I try not to overwhelm myself. I'm trying to get like 20 ideas from one person because I'm just going to be all over the place and jump back and forth. Just the one thing I want to implement, one thing I enjoy or admire about them. And I may not just learn it from conversation. You know, oftentimes I look at people's social media, I see what they're typing. You know, I look at the engagement they're getting. And I try to make sure that when I post or do something, it's, you know, that same measurable, um, you know, quality, you know, as I try to really think through what I'm posting. And there's a lot of times where I do stuff and I delete it and retype it. There's maybe a post or a story I put up and it's been retyped or edited 10, 20 times because I would touch it up or I type it late at night the next morning and I feel differently. So I, I'm always constantly working on things that you know, maybe it's not a traditional nine to five, but I'm always thinking about my business, uh, you know, seven days a week, uh, 24 hours a day. I think that's extremely true. I think I've sent you some text messages or, you know, ads, had some insurance questions for you. And I get responses very quickly at uh, at some pretty extreme. Hours, I don't so. take care of it right then and there. I'm going to forget. You're going to probably be frustrated that I didn't respond ever or not or not in time. So I just rather get it done and 
move on from it. That's why I'm usually trying to knock stuff out. Otherwise I'll forget. You do an amazing job with social media. You know, how often are you posting or, you know, what, what are some of the things that make your social media presence successful? I think it's an evolution. So the, so five years now I've been fairly active on social media. The first two or three years I was probably posting once a day. Uh, on all the platforms. I think they're all equally important. I think if you have an Instagram and you're investing a lot of time in there and you're overlooking Facebook, I think that's a, a mistake because, you know, for me, I get business from every platform or I get a connection from every platform. So I spend as much time on LinkedIn as I do Facebook, as much as I do Instagram and Twitter. So for me, you know, I like to use them all consistently. First two, three years, though, I was posting daily. After that, I was probably posting weekly. And because I felt I had identified myself as a brand after those two, three years, and to evolve that brand, I wanted to be more exclusive. I wanted to post less and get more engagement. So my strategy was to post more meaningful stuff, not just the everyday stuff. Show some of the wins, show some of the client or customer success, you know, share some of my uh, referral partners or people I work with their success, show a little bit about the family, that stuff I started to pull back on just because there were more people that followed me that I didn't know. And um, I like to keep certain things, you know, obviously private or personal, but it was just always ever evolving. And I'd ask, you know, my, my high, my top end, you know, 1% people that I work with in their industries, I'd say, you know, what would make you think of me as the next level, like, how do I evolve? And, you know, some feedback I got was be more exclusive, be approachable, but, you know, make sure your time's valuable and that you're being smart about how open you are. So it's always just this tug of war. And then it's an evolution of what you see. You know, I try to get more professional pictures up now. So the quality is there too, but it's always just an evolution. The lot, the next post has to be better than the last post more meaningful, more impactful, and then volume becomes less important as you've established a name or a brand. That is some great advice. I, I love that. I feel like a lot of the, the traditional social media advice is, you know, post as much as you can. It doesn't matter what you post as long as you just get it out there. Just do it consistently. You know, any content is good content. But it sounds like you really came to the conclusion to be a little more exclusive and to really make your post count once you sort of built up that initial following. Yeah, because like when I first opened, um, you know, or started getting into the business side of things, I, you know, probably have like 200 followers. And I don't have as many as some other people have now. But you know, on any given platform, I have four, 4,000, 5,000. And the good thing about that is that those are four or 5,000 real people that, you know, the majority of them I've met or connected with at some level, whether it be an event business, personal, friend of a friend. But, you know, the good thing is I feel like my engagement is real. My following is local. So I have an opportunity to work with them or do business. But for me, it's like, you know, it's, it's always just slow, consistent progress, never a home run, you know, always base to base and, and a step over step. So part of, I think what I've done is just um, really built up a slow, but consistent and steadily growing brand and name. And that's always been the goal because I feel like, um, you know, brands and people last, but trends and those other things fade very quickly. So I just wanted to go to pace through that. That worked for me. Yeah. It's, well, it's absolutely working. That's great. Uh, awesome. Okay. Uh, another question we love to ask is uh, what was the hardest part of starting a business? I think the hardest part, and sometimes it sounds cliche, is getting started. When I first yeah. looked into becoming a business owner, 
you know, the, the best advice I probably got was to stop Googling things. Um, you know, if you're sick or you have a symptom of something, Google it. It typically says something not that you want to read. It typically will take you more trust. So, you know, for me, I remember looking, um, you know, I've had a few businesses now. I've been in the uh, sports bar industry and now insurance. You know, when I, when you Google about those things and getting started, you will find so much more negativity on there that it will discourage you from doing it. So I went and instead of doing that, I sat down with other people in the industry and got an hour of their time. And it was fairly easy. If you just ask and you show up, you're respectful, polite, and, you, and you're just straight up with them, you're going to get that time. So I made sure that, you know, for, for months of researching my industries and doing that stuff, I really understood what it was going to take to be successful. I understood what they did well to get them there. I tried to also learn from their mistakes. But, you know, the hardest thing truly is getting started. And, you know, when you, when you get started on something, typically you'll make some progress. You may just only be started. You may get the whole job done quickly. It might take a while. But I found that that getting started portion is the hardest because, um, you know, for me, I'm just – I like to research stuff. I like to read stuff. You know, before I build yeah. something, I like to see what it's supposed to look like. I like to read through the instructions, you know, and if you keep doing that forever, you never get started. And then time passes you by or the opportunity closes because I think things move quickly in today's society. You know, Instagram, social media has made things so things move very fast. What's popular today is not relevant tomorrow. So getting started now isn't just about getting started to get your foot in the door. It's about getting started to stay on track, to stay ahead of trends, to not get discouraged. So, you know, there's so much more to it than just getting started. But I think that is the biggest challenge. If everyone got started on what they wanted to do, both in their career and business, they're probably going to get there. Some will make it, some won't, but all of them should have progress. So action will lead to those results. So um, you know, that's my answer. And I've always thought about that, but yeah, getting started is probably the biggest challenge. That makes complete sense. I think analysis paralysis is, is a real thing where you can do too much research and talk yourself out of something. But I love that you're not saying, you know, just throw yourself in the deep end and figure it out. What you're saying is rather than focus on people online that are talking about how they lost everything, you know, running a restaurant, you're going and seeking out people that have done it successfully and learning from them and just kind of seeing, you know, how do I replicate what they've done instead of reading online of how do I avoid what this person did to go bankrupt? Yeah, the people online are the ones that didn't make it that go complain. That's what the internet's for. It's for knowledge <laughs> you're complaining. So for me, you know, the successful people are often the quietest ones. The most successful people don't have a social media presence. And, and you know, that's maybe changing because of COVID and things going on in our society that you do need to have a more digital presence now. But prior to this, you know, most of the successful people are offline. Most of them are out there working, making stuff happen. Most of the unsuccessful people are online complaining. Now, that's not true for every case. So, but, you know, the majority of it, you know, if, if you're out there busy, you know, doing well, you just don't have time to post. You, even, even to celebrate the wins, you rarely have time to go post and talk about online. Someone might do it for you, but typically you don't have time. So, you know, that's my thought process behind it. That's great. Did you say the internet is for knowledge and complaining? Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. I'm definitely going to remember that. I, I That's got to be 90% of, uh, of what's going on. For sure. Hey, we got to stay off the wrong websites and uh, be careful on Twitter and Facebook. But yeah, it could be useful. You know, I, I definitely have made it useful. I've never gone on there to complain or vent about someone. I always go on there to share value, stories, successes, things I've learned. 
paint it forward a little bit, highlighting my events. It's a great scrapbook if you think about it that way and a great way to go back and look at memories and stuff. And uh, that's really what it should be. It should be a great tool for you to stay motivated, have a platform, but also share your value, success stories with others and pay it forward. Beautiful. Absolutely. What is a mistake that you've made early on that you won't make again? You know, think about that. I think the biggest mistake I've made in in business is um, planning too much. Uh, You know, oftentimes when I work with my peers or, um, you know, people that are helping me, you know, I think I spend too much time overanalyzing it and questioning it. Had I just do a little bit of it? and get started and then analyze the progress instead of the plan, I think that really will speed up both results and uh, success. So I think what I would like to do, especially um, as we go into a new year, especially with this being a tough year for everybody, I would really like to hit 2021 um, with a true reset where, you know, I'm looking at things I do and uh, always just tweaking to get better as opposed to overthinking the plan and over planning. So, you know, I think over planning is planning to fail. So for me, it's the right dose of analyzing, uh, taking constructive criticism and feedback, or even if it's self-reflection, but then implementing more action items and more strategy up front and less of that planning. So that's really, I think, a mistake I've made, um, you know, the last four or five years that for the next four or five years, I'd like to um, change my way of thinking. Agreed. Yeah, I get that. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about how you're promoting live events. And you do a lot of things, you know, in, in real life, as the kids say. Um, you know, how, how are these live events uh, complementing what you're doing of social media and the rest of your brand? Well, so the events I do are strictly uh, volunteer networking. You know, I don't make money off it. Oftentimes I'm putting my own money into it to make it better to participate. So the events, uh, mostly what you're hearing about, if you're listening is a mixer. I started, um, in downtown Sacramento. The first one had 300. The second one had over 400 attendees. And that was just through organic social media marketing and and word of mouth. But the events are really just for a platform for me to meet people by me being the host and having my name on it, it gives me definitely the ability to uh, be sought out as opposed to going there to seek out people. So it just made my life a little easier. It's almost like reverse cold calling. The events just give me a platform to do it. Um, They're strictly just to meet people uh, for professional business purposes, to get to know people and allow others to gather and come share their business. Because when I first started my office and everything I'm doing, the first thing I did was go to a uh, metro chamber uh, for, I think it was like professionals under 40s, and I went and passed out business cards. So that was where it all started back in 2016, and I've continued to attend a Mixer event every month. And then finally, I attended so many after years that I thought I could do one myself. And luckily, I did network at those places, so I was able to meet people that became you know promoters for me or would help bring people, and it just forever grew quickly from there. So that was really the purpose and what happened with that. And I think that's that's a pretty amazing result. 
business owners are really busy and they can be notoriously hard to get places sometimes. Yeah. So the fact that you were able to get 300 to 400 people, I, I hope everyone listening can recognize what an achievement that is because sometimes just getting, you know, a few friends together that are business owners, even just getting them together for a meal can be. Different. Yeah. So that's a really cool thing you did. Well, having those events also gives you things to post about, right? Because if everyone's out there posting, you know, standing in front of their business and, you know, that's a beautiful picture and all, and it's great. You know, what makes you stand out when you just have more to post about and to share. And it's like, every time I post an event, it shows someone what they missed and then they feel inclined to come to the next one. So I feel like the posts from these events also give people motivation or incentive to show up or support me. So now instead of just posting a success, it, it's almost an invitation. I love how you called it reverse cold calling. Essentially, you're, you know, you're inviting them to come, you know, talk to you, which is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Cold calling is probably my least favorite activity, but I think it is one of the most important and successful uh, things someone can do up front or the start of their business to really get their name out there. Um, and that's taking initiative is all really cold calling is, is to get a conversation going by being the one to either pick up the phone or to uh, start the conversation. Yeah, I, I don't personally think it's that great for developing business, but I think it's really good for helping you refine your business. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you have nothing to do, you know, if you're a brand new business owner and you're sitting in there and no one knows who you are, get <laughs> on the phone and start telling people. And I just think it's uh, an activity. Um, but, you know, it's, I think those things are important long term, but, you know, they definitely taught me a lot. And I didn't want to do it anymore. So the events were my way of avoiding it. No, that's great. I, I I think you're right, though. I think everyone needs to start out there because if you can't explain your value or what you do to someone quickly on the phone when they're trying to get off the phone with you, you, you know, you're going to struggle to convey it to somebody when you have their full text. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, we've hit on a bunch of things that I, I think you're doing really well, and 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 I'm you know really proud of you for your business on. But is there anything in particular you're proud of that you want to talk about for your business? Uh, you know, for the business, I think it's really just um, the consistency. I think I'm most proud that I'm I'm constantly growing every month, um, whether it be by a little or a lot. I think I'm most proud of the consistency. You know, when people do really well on social media, I see them kind of burn out. And I think it's very hard to stay on there because oftentimes you're seeing only success and not a lot of the work or failures behind it, just because that's not generally a, an attractive thing to post about. So, you know, the, the mental health side that you can get from social media is obviously not always the best. I think that's something that is uh, being talked about more um, as we continue to use these platforms. But, you know, I'm proud that I've stayed consistent on it, that I've used it as something to connect with people, make friends, stay in touch with friends, and also grow my business, but never really lost sight of what it is. And it, it truly is just a tool or a way to keep connected with people. But I've seen a lot of people that I know and love and care about that have burnt out by it. I've seen people that have taken breaks, but it's definitely a challenge to stay consistent on there, especially with the, the you know, the content being posted today. Um, with all the crazy things we have going on in our society, it can definitely get very emotional or overwhelming. But if people understand that it's a great place to stay connected and take it in small doses and put good value out there, I think that's important for social media. But I do encourage people to understand the value of it and the fact that it is a free tool for you to get out there and meet people and grow your business. Very well said. Let's take a quick break to hear from our important and very high paying sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Carlson O'Connell Commercial Real Estate. 
Carlson O'Connell helps business owners buy and lease commercial buildings. Are you tired of spending hard-earned money on expensive commercial rent? Go to carlsonoconnell.com to schedule a no-pressure, free lease versus own analysis. With record low commercial interest rates and 10% down SBA loans, you could be your own landlord. Trade in your monthly lease payment for an appreciating real estate asset to supercharge your net worth. Contact Carlson O'Connell for more information. License number 019-77101. All right, Trevor, we are back. Uh, The next questions we like to ask are kind of just more random fun ones. Uh, The first question is, who is your favorite sports team? And you only get one. I hate to say it being from and in Sacramento, but I love the Los Angeles Lakers. If I lose friends or business because of it, (laughs) I'm still going to stick with them. I'm sorry. They've been so good for so long. I I really, you know, I get it. And, you know, growing up in Sacramento, I'd say, you know, one out of three kids was a Lakers fan anyways, whether your family's from SoCal or, you know, whether you just didn't look. I have cousins down there that I'm very close with, and I spent a lot of time down there as a kid. So if that softens the blow, then let's get that out there. But, yeah, absolutely. You know, you go to a Kings game and they're playing the Lakers, it's – half Laker jerseys anyway. They only got better this offseason. They're going to be terrible. Yeah, that's motivating me too. I just want to stay relevant like the Lakers in my business. So that's my goal. Hey, I mean, if we're going to make comparisons, they are consistent. You know, they they are they are consistently doing their job just like you. So you got to love that. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Okay, what's a, what's a good book you've read or listened to recently? You know, I'm going to, I definitely don't read as much as I should, uh, but there's a book that I still reference that I read over six years ago when I worked in the retail side, and it was Engaging the Hearts and Minds of All Your Employees uh, by Lee uh, Collin and it just really focused on engaging your employees and, and making emotional connections with them and, you know, really investing in them. And that was always stuck in me because even today I still play fantasy football with some of my managers from, you know, eight, 10 years ago that I still keep in touch with. And, you know, for me, when you like who and what you work for, I feel like you get better more committed, loyal results, especially employees. And the buy-in is easier because I feel like engaged employees, you know, want to help you achieve your dreamer goals. And I knew being a small business owner that having engaged employees was going to be important, especially when you have less than, you know, 10, five employees. So for me, that book um, taught me early on to really be vested in employees, understand what their goals are. And maybe that probably gave me a a different view on networking. Networking uh, didn't become just a business card exchange or a quick 30 second elevator pitch, it became a tell me how I can help you get to the next level. Tell me what you've learned. How can I support you? And it just makes you a little more genuine, a little more valuable and, you know, a little deeper on the connection. So that's, I think when you earn business is when people have a deeper spiritual connection with you and they believe in what you're doing. So that to me was kind of the book that maybe laid the foundation for the networking I do now, if you're trying to dissect it and go back to a book, but I just, I don't read that much. So, you know, it's, I'm picking probably the only book I really remember that gave me the most value, but that was it engaging the hearts and minds of all your employees. Well, if you can still remember it all these years later and you still, you know, think about it from time to time, then that's a great book. That's yeah, absolutely. Uh, another question we love to ask, what's the last song you listened to? Feel free to lie. I love hip hop. So, you know, I'm going on my Spotify now because I was just in the car, but I was on the phone. So um, it was a song called Lemonade 
by money, internet money, gonna and someone else. So I love those hip hop songs. It's on the radio right now. So if you get a, you know, like one hundred two or something, you'll probably hear it. But I, I don't know. I just love I love hip hop music, and to me, that was always big growing up because I used to spend a lot of time. If uh, anyone out there is old enough to remember Sam Goody, uh, Virgin Music, you know, you used to be able to go in and listen to it. Tower Records was really big growing up. So oh, yeah. for me, you know, growing up, I was never really um out there i was always just kind of with my parents or at home and we spent a lot of times at tower records dimple records use you know movie cd stores sam goody and malls so for me uh, it was always hip-hop music that did it that was what always uh my classmates were listening to and we were we were always buying uh, cassette tapes and cds so uh, i still listen to that today Oh, that's awesome! No, that's very cool. I, I'm I'm not familiar with that song, but I'll definitely I'll give it a listen. You. So, uh, yeah, yeah, please do. No, absolutely. I'm I'm about to make a drive myself, absolutely. so it'll be good to uh, have have something new to listen to. But uh, awesome. Okay, man. Well, uh, is is there anything in closing that you you know want to tell the audience? Uh, any other words of wisdom or anything you want to promote for yourself uh, before we? Uh, I think the big thing is I find a lot of entrepreneurs or even younger people listen to this. Um, things I've done in the past, you know, generally the people I get that reach out to me are still, you know, trying to find their way and things and learn things that they want to do or implement. Much like I was, still am, and and was a few years ago looking to. So, you know, I encourage people take the time to reach out to people, uh, make a genuine type of personal message, uh, make connect new connections every day. Uh, you know, I don't want to uh, devalue building relationships because I think that's really what matters, but at least getting started, reach out to business owners, reach out to people that you're interested in working with, or if they're where you want to be, take the time to ask them how they got there. As a business owner today, you know, I really enjoy sharing um, things I've learned in my struggles, which is why as soon as you asked me on this podcast, I definitely said yes. And I try to make these podcasts not really about my business or what I'm doing because I do that on a day-to-day anyway. But how I pay it forward is really getting up on these platforms and telling people get started, whether you think you're too old or too young. Um, Every business owner has a story to tell and they'd love to tell it. So every time I've gone in, when I used to door knock businesses, I'd always try to sell them the product and it just, it didn't work out. But when I'd ask them how they got started, you know, when did they open things that were relevant to them or stories they wanted to tell, it changed the conversation from a sales conversation to a opportunity to get to know them, to become someone that they'd work with forever. So I just encourage people listening to this to take time to get to know people and ask them how they got started and just listen. And then some of the stuff you'll hear will inspire you or change your way of thinking to get to the next level. So to me, networking, branding, marketing, all that stuff isn't important if you're not making real connections. So never um, underestimate the value of a true connection or or a 30-minute phone call with someone. Um, Right now with COVID, obviously, it's harder to meet people one-on-one, but you know, there's phone calls, there's Zoom, uh, there's ways to get on the phone and talk to people. And I think it's easier that way because there's less pressure to dress up or show up or be on time. Like it's really just about making the connection and and getting on the phone and, you know, learning. So just uh, encourage people out there that want to be entrepreneurs, that want to be business owners, that want to have their own company or that hate where they're at or want to learn more about marketing branding, just (laughs) start something, get on the phone, talk to someone, talk to people that you think are out there doing it, that you respect and just Find out one thing from them, how they got there, what they're doing now, and you will learn, implement it, be successful. So that's my encouragement and what I would like people to know about me or hear from me. 
perfect. Yeah, absolutely. And once again, a huge, huge thank you to you for coming and imparting this wisdom. I do. I will tell you that I invited you and you texted me back within like five seconds. So you really do. Uh, you really do uh, walk the walk. Thank you again for being on the show, Trevor. That's it for our show. Thank you again for listening. If it weren't for you and our guest, I'd just be talking to myself. Until next time, support local businesses and stay happy. This podcast is brought to you by Carlson O'Connell Commercial Real Estate. Carlson O'Connell helps business owners buy and lease commercial buildings. Are you tired of spending hard-earned money on expensive commercial rent? Go to carlsonoconnell.com to schedule a no-pressure, free lease versus own analysis. With record low commercial interest rates and 10% down SBA loans, you could be your own landlord. Trade in your monthly lease payment for an appreciating real estate asset to supercharge your net worth. Contact Carlson O'Connell for more information. License number 01977101.